0: I want to look at Acts chapter sixteen very briefly, and uh, like like we we always say, we want it to be an educational experience. Uh, We want to understand some things about worship, and some things uh, we want to get rid of myths about worship, what worship is, what worship isn't, Uh, and we want to look at this example to show you. uh, And the first point is worship is not a mood. It's not a mood. You don't have to be in the mood for worship, to worship. As a matter of fact, it is in spite your mood, in spite of your mood. But watch this. The Bible says here in verse 22, Acts chapter 16, and the crowd rose up together against them. And this is talking about Paul and Silas. Yes, thank you. If you need to stand for the reading of the word, if you care to, please do so. As we read this word and deliver this word, this quick word on today. And the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. These are not styrofoam rods. These are not rods made out of the tubing of paper towel, these are wooden rods, ordered them to be beaten. Paul and Silas, who were apostles of the gospel, apostles of Christ, ordered them to be beaten. I need your imagination. Can I borrow your imagination? Some of us get upset when somebody smacks us on the back too hard, even in friendship. They were ordered to be beaten with rods not to be hit with rods but to be, be beaten which means one hit after the other and according to their law or their custom it had to be 40 licks save one which means the most they can get was 39 i'm sorry but 39 hits by a rod does not make me say oh just 39 he ordered them the magistrates ordered them to be Beaten with rods. Verse 23. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them. Many. They threw them into prison. Commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he having received such a command. Not placed them in prison. Threw them in. Into the inner prison. And fastened their feet in the stocks. Their feet, perhaps their ankles, got hit in the beating. This is Paul and Silas. But about midnight, (laughs) Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. You may be seated. How to worship. Listen carefully. How to worship the one you serve while you're wounded. That's how I got it, okay. This middle, this middle part, this middle section. How to worship, listen very carefully. How to worship the one you serve while wounded. How to what? Worship the one you serve while wounded, these contemporary times, of course, come with their, their blessings and their vices, and one of the things about these contemporary times is we spend so much time away from settings like this that sometimes there's a greater influence from outside than there is from inside. And what I mean by inside, I'm talking about among our fellowship, I'm talking about in atmospheres of togetherness and atmosphere of worship and one of the misnomers that grew and that grows out of being exposed to so many other things is that, uh, that, that as long as you worship God uh, everything will be alright uh, you know it's about worshiping and some of those misunderstandings from that grew uh, some of the misunderstandings that worship is what we do in here and that worship is what we do In our lives and everything we do should be worship I want you to know that worship is the expression to a particular person and that particular person should be the one we serve there is a difference from your worship and your service okay there's a difference between the one you worship and the one you serve now now watch this Uh, Serving is different from worshiping. It's very possible to worship God and not serve him. Biblical examples is the reason why God tried to get, sent Moses to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. Do you know why? They kept telling them, uh, they kept telling old Pharaoh, listen, we want to go over there. Uh, we want to go over into the wilderness so that we might worship. They said worship in one instance. And then the, uh, Pharaoh was like, yeah, I'll tell you what, they let them go and let them come back. They can go worship your God and come back. Here was the problem with this. They were serving Egypt. He wanted, Pharaoh wanted Moses to take the people, in Is, the people of Israel in Egypt out of Egypt into the wilderness and bring them back. Let me show you what's wrong with that. You have to worship the God you serve. If you're not serving him, it may not matter that you're worshiping him. They were servants of Egypt. And Pharaoh said, let them go worship God, but serve me. And the enemy says today, I don't have a problem with you worshiping God. I don't have a problem with you coming and singing and praising and singing and and, and shouting and hallelujah and going through prayer and taking communion and giving and I I don't care who you worship. It doesn't matter that you worship God. The enemy does not care about you worshiping God. I know there are things in the charismatic movement that say if you worship God, the enemy is offended. No, the enemy can be quite impressed by your worship. He can be quite impressed that you come and sing. I like the way you sing. As long as you're serving him. You cannot worship God and belong to the devil. Is this making sense to anybody? The Bible says in Romans 6, and then, and then I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this, this topic in two parts. The Bible says in Romans 6, I want you to go, let, go there. Everybody go there. Romans 6:16, 6, and I want you to read this. We want to read this very intently. We want to read this uh, being very emphatic with the words, okay? Because here's the problem. Here's the problem today. Uh, there are people in churches everywhere worshiping this morning. This is Sunday. Churches are full. Thus, restaurants after churches are full, and you can tell what's been going on on Sunday by going to the restaurant Sunday afternoon, and you see people in their Sunday best, you see them here, you see them work, and they feel a sense of connection to God, but I'm going to tell you something, the devil has found a way to manufacture feeling connected to God. The devil is a liar. Don't you get it? He's the father of lies. He's an illusionist. He can make you feel connected to God while belonging to him. Hello? So look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 16. The Bible says what?
1: Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience? Read that again. Do you not know that when you present yourself... Do you not know read that when you present yourself to someone as certain slaves for obedience when you present yourself to someone as a slave to obey mm -hmm. read you are slaves you are slaves of the one of the one whom you obey who you obey
0: you can worship God and not obey him so what it's like is like slaves getting a break from the plantation of the devil to have church together and after church is done going right back to their slave master is this making sense to anybody i I want us to learn this so so here whoever you give yourself as a as a slave you belong to that person and that's who you obey read watch this
1: either a sin
0: Either of sin,
1: resulting in death.
0: Resulting in death. Read. Or of
1: obedience.
0: Obedience.
1: Resulting in righteousness. Now here is
0: the watch this. Resulting in righteousness. But here is the thing that we should be happy about. Read the next verse.
1: But thanks be to God. Thanks
0: be to God
1: that though you were slaves, though you
0: were, you were servants of sin. Read.
1: You became obedient.
0: You became obedient.
1: From the heart.
0: From the heart to
1: that form of teaching to that
0: form of teaching to which
1: you were committed
0: to which you were committed you obeyed the gospel and what happened was before worship before praise before singing before praying before taking communion and giving up your means and being in a church building god saved you if you obeyed the gospel and he watch this you switched ownership so that now you're worshiping the God who you're a servant of instead of trying to be a worshiper of a God you do not serve. Let me make it real practical. Let me make it real practical if if I work for Ford. I work for Ford. If I go to the showroom of the BMW, BMW house and I brag on the BMW, and I say, man, I like the smell of the new smell of the BMW. I like the BMW. Oh, man, this car is good. At the end of the day, when I go back to work, guess where I'm going? It doesn't matter if you go and praise BMW if you, if, if Ford is paying your bills. Does this make sense to anybody? And it doesn't matter if you worship, if you don't serve God. That doesn't, God is not concerned with your worship first. He's concerned with who you belong to. This is why God spent all of that time pulling Israel out of Egypt because God says, I refuse to leave. I refuse to leave the people who belong to me uh, and let them just come worship me and go back home. That's prison. That's a conjugal visit. You belong to the system, but every now and then the system will let you sit in front of a glass and, and admire loved ones you haven't seen, but just because you're admiring and adoring people you haven't seen does not mean that you belong to them and you're under them and you're with them. You're with the system. So after that praise and worship, guess what you have to do? They say your time is up. And you got to go back into the system. And I'm here to tell you today that after you sing and after you pray and after you worship and after you adore God, after you exalt him, after you uh, after you take the Lord's Supper and come together, if you're going back to belonging to the devil, your worship was a conjugal visit to worship somebody who you don't even serve. I've been to prison before. Jail, not prison. Scary thing and some some of us and some of you in here have been there and you know the feeling because the truth of the matter is, it isn't freedom till you can serve the ones you love. So, here Paul was. Paul was a servant of the Lord. And when you serve God, worship is the byproduct. Worship is not primary. Serving God is primary. Worship is the byproduct. And the reason why I'm teaching this, because I don't want you to be misled or bamboozled and think that just because you come to worship, you, that makes you okay with God. You know what God wants? He wants you. And if he doesn't have you, anything you give him is null and void. God is saying I'm getting your singing I'm getting your presence in the house of God, but the problem is I don't have you I want you And we understand this in relationships you get married to somebody and they give you all kinds of gifts But they never spend time with you What's the problem with that I like your gifts You paid, sure enough. I like the Fendi and I like the Marc Jacobs and I like the Guess and I like the Gucci and I like that. But the problem is you never spend time with me. And you know what? That's more than likely. It's an affair. Because it's somebody who serves somebody else and occasionally worships you. Y'all not going to come with me this morning. You're going to act like you don't know what I'm talking about songs about that. God wants you first. Turn to somebody and say, God wants me first. Okay. I I watched some of you and you said, bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. Okay. Now go to somebody else, turn to somebody else and says, God wants you first. first. He wants your time. He wants your attention. He wants you to serve him. Uh, And somebody said, well, what is serving him? Does that mean participating in church? That's, that's, that's a, an act of service. He doesn't want you to give acts of service. He wants you to be his servant. How many of you know you can, be, uh, you can do acts of servant and not be a servant? There's a difference, right? Acts of service. That means I do this for you, I do that for you, but I don't belong to you. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something in relationships that's, you know, that's, that's an attractant to have somebody do something for them but that gets old I wish somebody did that for me that gets old because if they're doing that for you and they don't belong to you then you losing baby yeah you losing you losing because nobody will get what the person they belong to gets. I wish somebody would say amen. Y'all looking at me like, that's a nice suit. Ah, Forget the suit. (laughs) I'm playing, I'm playing. So Paul was first a servant, and I named this deliberately so that I can basically cover two areas of ground. How to worship the one who you serve while wounded. So first the premise is you worship who you serve. You're here and you don't belong to God. Your worship is not what it could be like it would be if you belonged to him. God is saying no, 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 no. I don't want your praise without you. And, and you know what? And you know what? We can, we can, arouse ourselves into an emotional upheaval and feel like our worship is a substitute for belonging to God there are no substitutes for belonging to God what the Bible calls that is vain worship everybody say vain vain worship what that means is worship that isn't worth anything it doesn't matter vain you're wasting your effort you're wasting your energy and the world today suggests that we go after being positive but God says don't forget about being positive I want to be positive positive person you know the higher power and and that's creeping into the church where people in the church are calling God a higher power he's your father if you obeyed the gospel nobody calls their father a higher power you don't call your mother a higher power. And if you do, I'd like to meet you and I'd like to meet your mom. She must be pretty amazing. He must be pretty amazing. But you don't call them that because of the relationship. But the world is saying, be positive, High power, high power. And you go and you give homage to the higher power. And then what happens is you detach Monday through Friday, maybe Monday through Saturday, and you say, oh, I got to go give God his. The his that God wants is you, okay? Say amen if you understand that. So Paul here is a servant first. Now we get into the why wounded. Paul here is a servant. He preaches the gospel. He comes into an area, he preaches the gospel, and I'm going to tell you what the gospel will do. It will mess people up. Why? Because it changes lives. Let me show you how that works. He goes in, and there are some men who are pimping this girl. When you get a chance, read it. Yeah. The, the word pimp is not going to be in there. Please, I'm just using that allegorically. So, pimp is in there? No, it's not pimp. That's not, the, that's not the word that's in there. But I want you to look, when you get a chance, verse 14 through 21, there are some men there was a girl that had the gift of prophesying the devil she was using it the devil had control of her that gift and what these men were doing is they were they they took possession of her and they would use her to go to people and they would charge people for whatever prophecy they wanted to hear well tell me about my mom what well, that sounds like palm reading today kind of Tell me about my mom. Tell me what's going to happen to me. I'm trying to get the job. Tell me. It sounds like the Zodiac in verbal form. And they would make money off of her. They would make money off of her because these were the managers, her managers, that they would, so people would pay them and then she would do what she does. Well, the worst thing you can do to somebody who's making money off of something that's not right is convert the person who is the tool that's being used. So Paul and Silas got there, and they called the demon of divination out of her that was in her. She could no longer prophesy, what do you think that did to the fellow's economy? It messed up their economy. In other words, they couldn't make money anymore. And there are a lot of venues that would stop making money if people came to Jesus who owned them. I'm, I'm just teaching right off in here. Because the gospel can mess up an economy. Can you imagine if everybody just, who, who, who makes a practice of getting drunk, can't you imagine if they started taking Jesus seriously and saying, you know what, I'm coming away from that. I've got to be in my right frame of mind because I'm a servant of God. Can't you imagine what would happen to, uh, uh, to vodka sales? I, I, I don't know where I am. I, I thought I was in a church full of real people. I didn't know that there were people in here that don't know what vodka is. Or maybe you're trying to play like you don't. Vodka, what, what is that? What saith this man? Man, just stop that. You know what it is. Can't you imagine how many drug dealers will be out of business if people stopped using drugs? If they came away and came to Jesus, the gospel will change the economy. Can't you imagine how many people, how many people who are pimping women, how many, how much they lose money if, if these women decided I'm worth more than that. Jesus tells me that my body is his temple so I can't let you pimp his temple because it doesn't belong to you. The gospel can turn an economy upside down, just like in in the Old Testament. The reason why Moses was such a problem for Pharaoh was because he was telling the children of Israel, God is calling you out of this, and they were the servants of that economy, and they were being called out, so who would do the work that they would do if if they were leaving? He didn't want to go after them to kill them, he wanted to go after them to bring them back under bondage. So here, Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel, turned it upside down. These guys are upset, but they know they can't go to the law about, uh, about missing money because this woman never, no longer does what she does. So what they do is they conjure up a reason that would stimulate the, 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 the people in law and say that this man is teaching some strange stuff. Some stuff that's against Rome. And they have to shape it so that these men look like criminals. And so they took Paul and Silas and they, and, and the Bible says that as they stood before the magistrates, they tear their clothes off. Now watch this. If you talk about a bad mood, you're in a bad mood because you had an argument on the way to church. You're in a bad mood because, you know, on the way to church, you went, you stopped at the gas station and they didn't have the coffee ready. You're in a bad mood because this happened or that happened or this week. You know what? They didn't give me my full check. I'm going to talk to them on Monday because they short me a day. I worked all those days as a day messing. Imagine having your clothes stripped down and it's not for anything you did wrong but simply for talking about Jesus and telling somebody about the gospel and them coming out of something and all of the profit that people were gaining off of them, they lost. Don't you know that the gospel even after you're saved will mess up the economy? Will mess up people's emotional. uh, Oh God. They will mess up people's emotional economy. There are some of you that are being used by people and don't even know it. And the reason why you're being used is because you don't know who you are in Christ. As soon as you find out who you are in Christ, there are certain people that are no longer be able to take advantage of you because you understand now that Christ called me to something better than that. It will mess up the economy of friendships, it will mess up the economy of partnerships. will mess up the economy of relationships because when you realize what Jesus calls you is who you are you'll stop letting people take advantage of you and treat you any kind of way and that's gonna mess them up because you were the person they always leaned on and took advantage of but you're learning better I I can be I can be right with God without letting you take advantage of me it messes up It realigns people. And the worst thing for somebody who uses people is for the people they use to be realigned and to learn better. So they whip them, tear their clothes off, whip them with rods. Now, it isn't that they take one rod. It says they beat them. They beat them. A few people beat them. I I can see being beat by one person. Growing up, my dad was a parliamentarian, and you can see him now. He's got that big beard, put that lip under, and then we know we were going to get a beating. But I can't imagine my dad, then him calling my mom, come here, get you some of this. Then him calling my siblings, come in. And all of them beating on me. Paul and Silas were beat. They were bruised. They were wounded. Who would be in the mood for worship when you've beat, been beat down? And I'm talking to some of you who come to this house decorated with the garbs of fashion decorated with the garbs of a presentation that lies about what's on the inside. I'm talking to some of you who come here looking spotless, but life has beaten you down. Friends have beaten you down. Enemies have beaten you down. You're getting it from every direction. Just when one thing gets settled, another thing comes and says, it's my turn. Your health gets right. Now your finances say, I didn't get any of that and you're beat up by your finances and beat up by your health and beat up by relationships and beat up by circumstances you have no control over and you're trying hard to live a life that's pleasing to God. You're praying and crying and asking other people to pray for you but life just keeps beating you up. Who's in the mood for worship when you've been beat up? I mean, my goodness, some of us will leave a church if we think somebody looked at us cross-eyed. I can't go there. I can't, uh-uh. I walked in, did you see how he, she looked at me? Man, I can't go there, man. It's just, you know, they overlooked me. What? They were beaten, thrown in prison. Come here, Gerald, Gerald Burnett, Paul and Silas, beaten. And if that's not enough, their bodies soar from all of the rod beating. Sheckles are put on their ankles. I'm talking about sore to where touching hurts. Stop. See, we, because we don't see the details of Scripture, we, we disconnect in a way. We paraphrase it and makes, we make it look bearable to us. Have you ever taken a Scripture and made it look bearable to us? Like Job, he waited on the Lord and God turned it around. That's not all that happened. I'm going to do like Job and wait. Now, if you're going to do like Job, you got to take what Job took. And if you don't understand what Job took, you may not understand your own capacity. Because it's easy to say, I can go through that when it's not your affliction. It's easy to say, there ain't nothing there. You know what? I'm just going to hold on. No, most of us don't know what. We will do, we know what we would like to do, we know what we hope to do, but you don't know what until you've stepped into the shoes of somebody who suffered and got beat up emotionally, beat up physically, beat up relationally, you cannot say what you will do. Don't front in here, don't act like you got it together, don't act like you got it handled. Sometimes you gotta taste it to say what it tastes like. Get a mic, Gerald. I want you to see they beat up. They didn't do anything wrong, they were beat up for helping. Here Paul was, there Silas was, sitting in the prison. Beat up to the point where your body involuntarily shakes because your nerves are going crazy because nerves carry pain. I want you to see them curled, curled and coiled up as they sit there waiting for some of the pain to subside. I want you to really see this. And I want you to see while in that pain, they're sitting there, and Paul says, trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand Although no no, 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 he's not sitting in the pew. you get this he's not sitting in the pew he's not sitting there and having praise leaders sing and maybe if they know the song they sing and maybe if not no 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 whatever this is in this prison whatever this is in their battered bodies didn't come from the outside in It came from the inside out and now Paul and Silas when you squeeze a sponge whatever the sponge is full of that's what's coming out and they squeezed them and they beat them and they whipped them and they scourged them and they threw them in prison and they shackled them so if you don't know what's in me wait till I'm squeezed and when they were squeezed they sang. They didn't just sing. They didn't use their trouble as an excuse to dismiss God. Now, what Gerald was supposed to do was look beat up. He's the Silas that dodged all the rods. (laughs) Thank you, Gerald. Go back and have a seat, sir. Thank you. But you get my point? And just like they were physically, some of you have come here today and that's exactly how you look and exactly how you feel in the spirit. Sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's the rod of frustration. Some of us are discouraged some of us don't know if the depression we feel is clinical or if it's just emotional but because the problem is spiritual you cannot treat a spiritual problem with physical pills so you try to get a prescription for this that works this stuff and guess what it's Tuesday and if you got a dep on the gathering on Sunday you got so many days before you get to that emotional high God doesn't want you to have an emotional high he wants you to have an emotional in high he wants you to get high off of his own supply in you When Paul and Silas were in prison, they didn't wait for somebody else. They started singing and they started praying And guess what other people in the same situation other people in the same location other people in similar Predicaments were listening to them and because Paul and Silas decided I'm not gonna let my Circumstances stop me from praising God the Bible says not only was Paul and Silas it's freed but everybody in that prison got free. I believe that the church will start freeing people when we understand that we don't need an orchestra we don't need praise leaders we don't need a drum because it might happen on Monday I can't afford to wait till Sunday when my problem is on Monday. I can't afford to wait till Sunday when I'm wounded on Tuesday so I've got to sit down and learn how to praise God and worship God for myself while I'm wounded. You don't need somebody to say, come on and sing, because if you got it in you, you don't need Sunday to do it. You'll do it on Monday when you get fired. You'll do it on Tuesday when you've been talked about like a dog. You'll do it on Wednesday when you're fired who were your friends are really your enemies. You'll do it on Thursday when you go to the doctor and they said, we found something. You'll do it on Friday and Saturday. And because you've been doing it in yourself while you're wounded all week, ain't nobody got to come out here and cheer you on to praise because you've been praising, you've been worshiping while you're wounded. The Bible says, it's as if God was saying, I'll set you free when you worship me. I'll unloose your chains, but I need to know that you can worship me. I I know you serve me. And I'm not talking about expressionism. Please don't hear me wrong. I'm not talking about whether you raise your hands, or lift your la. no, 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 no. It's so much deeper than that. And it's so much deeper than that, that what's your favorite team? Call out your favorite football team. Dallas. Oh, no, don't do that. Let me stop. It's going to cause a riot up in here. Y'all about to start tripping. You where? Cowboy stuff, uh, or Patriot stuff, guess what? How you feel about them is always there. When you go to the game, because you belong to that team, you know how to celebrate them. Don't miss it. You don't celebrate the team before you become a fan. And I've noticed about cowboy fans, that they would literally, yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't understand what I'm saying. They would literally fight you. No, 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 no. Yeah, I think I'm playing. No, 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 I had an experience. I don't even follow sports, but I'm a New York Yankee, and I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a New York Giants, and, uh, and, and, and of course, I got to be careful because I don't follow sports. I don't know a whole lot. I'm just a loyalist. Yeah. <laughs> the airport got, got on an escalator with somebody who was all cowboyed out, Man. tattoos, clothes, yeah. just blue and silver, and I had that Giants hat. There is a natural animosity against any other team than the team you serve. See the more you serve God is the more you hate the devil. Some of us don't hate him. Because we're not serving God right. But the more you fall in love with God and the more you worship God, is the less you want the devil to be there. You're not, only, you're not even on his team, Satan. You don't even have his gift. What you doing? You'll say, get behind me, Satan, because that's my God. That's my God. I love him. I worship him. And I'm on his team. But then I got into, you know, I tried to take the little bit I heard at the barbershop. About the Giants and about the Cowboys, and I figure, well, the escalated ride is almost over. Maybe I can fake it long enough to end this escalator ride. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they, the Cowboys are doing all right, but the Giants. You know who's on the Giants, right? You know who's on the Giants. Now I didn't even know who's on the Giants because real fans don't know who the players are. People who aren't real fans, they don't know who the players are. Yeah, I missed that. People who aren't real fans don't even know who the players are. People who aren't real fans don't know who the owner of the team is. Y'all still think I'm talking about sports, but I'm talking about worship. When when, When you're not a God fan, you don't really know who's running your life. So he, you know, this guy, you know, he was like, yeah, but uh, I'm about them cowboys. And then I started getting the feeling, wait a minute, this is not a cordial, this ain't even a cordial conversation no more, man. Man, I'm trying to catch a plane, man. I'm not, I mean, he rose up, his chest swelled up. He said, I'm about those cowboys. What about them cowboys? I, I, is that a real question? What? what how am, How am I supposed to answer that question? I don't know what the answer is. I said, yeah, man, you're right. That elevator ride, escalator ride ended and I just... (laughs) You protect who you serve. Now, God don't need our protection. But if somebody has a problem with your worship, hmm. come on, come on. you don't what no, you, you don't stop because somebody else has a problem with it. Yeah. You're on God's team. Yeah. Uh, is, there, is there anybody that knows what it means to be loyal to God? Yeah. So when you're wounded and you don't feel like it. Can you believe that Giles Preacher sometimes doesn't feel like being here? Yeah, yeah. You think I don't go through things? Oh, yeah, I go through things. Things and things. And I don't feel like being here all the time. But I don't walk by feelings. I walk by faith. Any military people here as we close, raise your hand if you're military and ever been deployed somewhere and not ashamed of it, raise your hands, okay, one, two, three, there are three people, four, all right, you've been deployed. When you've been, if you deployed to another country, You can be in that country, but you're still serving America. You're still serving America. What does that mean? What does it mean, preacher, to serve God? Does it mean to do good things? No. It means to always represent God. Okay? Here's what it doesn't mean. For those of you who think I'm preaching charismatic movement, it doesn't mean that at the water cooler you got to be one of those irritable irritable people that always say, you know, God did this. Well, bless God. Bless God. Bless God. I get irritated with people like that. Now, now, now I'm not saying there's wrong with, anything wrong with it, but they feel like s- serving God is all, I mean, they're in the movie theater. Oh, my God. Look at that. Captain Marvel. Bless God. Hallelujah. Can you just watch the movie? No, no, I'm just, can I be real up in here? Can you watch the movie? Because yes, bless God, but I miss what was said. I know y'all not going to be real. Sorry, if you want somebody to tell you what you want to hear and be ideal, look for ask for somebody else. I got to be real about it. You know why? Because you, when you serve him, those soldiers over there don't have, don't have to say, yeah, America's the best. America's yeah, America's good. Their uniform tells off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your life will tell off. You don't have to say bless God every moment. As a matter of fact, if you say bless God, bless God, bless God, and you're wearing the devil's uniform, guess what? You're making noise, but you're making it from the other side. And I'm here to tell you today, to serve God means to realize that everywhere I am, I represent God. Everywhere I am, even in secret places, every time I have a conversation, I represent God. That means I represent a God who, just because nobody else hears it, I represent a God who hears it in surround sound when I'm talking like this. Amen. Amen. To serve him means, okay, this is, is this what God wants me to do? Have you ever went on a job interview and stopped and said, Lord, is this the job you want me to have? Or were you thinking so much about the pay that it didn't matter whether or not that's where God wanted you? Some of us will watch, go, go after something that's impressive to us while missing something that's better in the will of God. Amen. To serve God means placing your will, uh, your will under His. That means before I make a move, I'm going to consult with God. You may not hear, as a matter of fact, it, even in your eating... You don't eat a meal. Do you know that people, watch this. We walk by faith, but not sometimes faith in God. You go to a restaurant, that meal comes from, from the kitchen. You don't see anything going on in the kitchen. You don't know who washed their hands, who didn't. You don't know who went to the bathroom and was in such a rush, they just ran out the bathroom and started dealing with your food. But guess what you do when you get your meal? Oh, delightful, that looks good. Oh man. Do you see why we need to serve God and put him first? Because guess what, I don't know who had that. I know I just drove up the one window and drove up to the next window and got my food. There could be somebody in there who's about to get fired and hates the restaurant, spitting in everybody's drink, doing the uh ah-ha-ha, ah-ha, ah-ha. You see how much faith you have in man? I heard somebody say, where are we gonna eat at today? You better eat by faith, baby and not by sight Jack give it to me yeah but you see how much faith we have that's why we before watch this when you when you're serving God you say even my food I need you God even before I stick my fork in this salad so I don't just say thank you I don't say thank you until I ask God to bless it because it may not be something that I should have gratitude over, so I need God to bless it. If you bless it, Lord, I can give you an advance. Thank you. That's serving God. He's a part of every, every decision you make. You consult him, and, and not public, not the Sunday dinner thing where everybody sit at the restaurant. Let's hold hands. Let's hold hands. Hold hands. Hold hands. Hold hands. All right. Lift them up. At first. There's nothing wrong with that, but do you do that every day? (laughs) Y'all not going to like me. I love y'all. Do you do it every day? That's not a real question. But do you slow down and say, come on, let's hold hands. Guess what? You don't have to do that just like people overseas who represent America don't have to wear shirts that say I love the USA oh soldiers let's, let's, let's link together and let's let's march and say USA you don't have to do that you can pray and nobody know you did and we had some pious people that say I didn't hear you pray right but you can't hear it because I wasn't talking to you when I talk to you, you'll hear it. But that was a conversation between me and God. And since he reads my thoughts, sometimes I don't pray out loud. For, sometimes I, I watch this. I just say, Lord, bless this food because I don't need to get sick again. Thank you. Amen. And that's quick enough for you to think I ain't said nothing about my food. So service to God is personal. Not for men to see. So that when you come worship Him, you're not worshiping a God that you just, that got to meet you here, Mm. you're worshiping a God who you serve, and when life beats you up, and it will, I said it will, there are things on your Google calendar that the devil didn't put on his, but you're on his life beats you up, you're doing it your way and life says,
1: because
0: you're a worshiper before you got beat up, you'll know how to worship when you're wounded. Somebody's wounded today. We had that prayer time because I know there are wounded worshipers that come every Sunday. We get in this environment. and We say, "How you doing, brother?" Man, God is good. But the rest of the sentence is, "But I wish he sure would. I I wish he sure would give me a better job. I'm about to have my car repo But you know, we we put on the. How you, How you doing? But you know what? There are a lot of people who are secretly wounded. God knows, and you know. And you come to church, and you're coming to receive what Paul and Silas did is they gave while they were wounded and what they gave to God God turned it into watch this he transferred it into heavenly currency and what singing and praying meant to God and what he translated that into is shackles being free. Heaven's currency is different. You sing, God blesses you with a job. If you've ever been to another country, you know you have to go and change the currency. You take American money, and you say, I'm giving you $20, and they give you what it means in their country. What your worship to God means in heaven comes out and how blessed you are and others around you are. You give him your cares, he gives you liberty. You give him your cares, he gives you freedom, he gives you strength, but you gotta be a worshiper, even while you want it. I'm done, everybody stand to your feet. Praise God, have you heard the Holy Spirit today? Not me, not me. Yeah, that was a weak praise. Praise God if you heard what God was saying. That that was corny praise. Yeah, that was corny praise. Praise God if you heard it. So if you're not on God's side, if you don't belong to God, I'm inviting you to belong to God. What does that mean? The same verse in Romans chapter 6, verse number 16 was preceded with how to belong to God. It says, what shall we say then? Verse number 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall they that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that as many of us as have been baptized into Christ and were baptized into his death and thus we were buried with him in the likeness of death so that we can rise to walk in the new of life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, your death, your burial, your resurrection. And if you want to belong to God, you have to be filled with the spirit. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean you have to do? That means if you really believe, you come down believing. You come down willing to change your life around. Turn it in God's direction and he'll turn your life in his. You come confessing with your lips and life that he is the son of God and being buried with him in baptism. That means be baptized today. In really simple terms, it means you've got to get in the water to connect to the blood because except your sins be washed away by the blood and that faith metamorphoses into obedience you will walk out of here a servant of somebody else leaving adoring somebody else you belong, to, you belong to the enemy, but you'll be worshiping the master. God wants to align that. He says, I want you. You've been running from me a long time. You've been running from me and you've been using your job. You've been using your, your health. You've been using your situation. You've been using your kids. And you're using everything I bless you with as an excuse for why you won't even come to me. Don't you know I give and I can take away? And if you start using what I bless you with as an excuse for why you won't come to me, I will get rid of your your excuses. God can get rid of your excuses. So stop using this and that and the other. I'm running away from God and I need to do this and that. God says, come now. The day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Somebody needs to come and belong to God today. We're going to sing the song of encouragement. If you need to come, you come forward and there'll be ministers here to receive you. We're here to receive you. The water is ready. The baptizer is ready.